Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's that time, Gordon. Uh, it's time to talk a little NBA basketball with Chris Mannix. Austin? It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lease Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lease Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lease Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leaseheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Get a Samsung S10 for $0. When you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th, visit a Sprint store nearest you from Sports Illustrated. Our good friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're uh, we're just in kind of a little bit of a lull. It's going to be three days without Utah Jazz basketball. They're going to be back at it tomorrow night against Orlando. And we're hoping, Chris, he's listed as probable to see Mike Conley back into the lineup. Uh, talk about, um, I guess, uh, the advantages of having a few days off, getting a little practice when maybe working a player like that back in. Yeah, I mean, look, it. it I don't think it hurts. Um especially this time of year, especially if you've been uneven in the way the Jazz have. Um, I'm not clear how much Mike's been able to do in the last couple of days. I know he's been a little banged up, but, you know, having a little bit extra practice time and, you know, kind of time to to, to sort of just, you know, figure things out, I don't think it's a bad thing. So, you know, hopefully it'll be the start of, of a strong stretch for Utah. I mean, they've certainly got plenty of issues that are still lingering and, Incorporating Mike Conley at the highest level has got to be at the top of the priority list. But you know, we've there's a bunch of weird quirks like this in the schedule. Boston's going through one right now. I've seen a few teams do it, but uh, you know, maybe they have a chance to take advantage this time off. Chris, we ask you this all the time, various updates uh, on the Jazz's progress, but they're 15 and 11. It's not like this team is what uh, you know, 17 and 29 or something. I mean, it, based on I, I think most of us around here, as we watch this team play, we think that there might be some issues that are more ticklish than others, but a lot of them can be solved. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of them can be solved, and uh, I think a lot of the areas where the Jazz can improve, you know, comes from internal growth. And, I mean, Mike Conley, as we said, is at the top of that list, but you know, you you got to get somebody from that bench to step up and and make plays. Somebody outside of of Joe Ingles to be a scorer. I think that's got to be a priority. And you know, for Quinn Snyder, finding that help from within, I think it's going to be paramount to Utah's success. I mean, we're kind of officially into trade season right now, but. You know, when when you look up and down that Jazz roster, you you don't see a lot of of, of pieces to move. I mean, the draft picks are are what they are, tied up because of you know the Conley deal in the off season, and um, you know outside of maybe Dante Exum, I'm not really sure who the Jazz have that could be appealing to the teams across the league. So, you know, at, at this stage, it's got to be all about internal improvement and and finding ways to to you know get that bench going and get Mike Conley into that mix. 
Chris, TV ratings have been down significantly. Uh, TNT games down 21% compared to last year. ESPN is down 19 And ratings last year, if we remember, were down from the previous year. Do you want to weigh in with any theories on what's going on? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that the TV ratings plummeted when LeBron James went west. I mean, you know, the, the Eastern Conference, even though there's more parity in terms of, of top-tier teams matching what the teams in the West are doing, there's just not a lot of TV sizzle you know, amongst these top teams. I mean, Giannis is a great player, but I don't think he's risen to the level of must-see TV with, uh, with Milwaukee. I mean, same thing with Philadelphia, not exactly the most television-friendly team. Boston's kind of fun, but there's nobody on that roster yet that makes you run towards the TV to watch one of their matchups. I mean, LeBron was that guy for you know what, 12, 14 years, whatever it was during his Eastern Conference run with Cleveland, Miami, and back with Cleveland. I mean, he was a ratings driver uh, for the NBA. Now he's thinking about West. Fewer people are on the East Coast are watching those games, and I think that plays into it. Um, I, I do think there are probably deeper issues. I mean, Adam Silver has kind of sounded the alarm himself, and when Silver does that, that tells me that, uh, that there are strong feelings about this in the league office. Um, I think in the future you're going to see the NBA go deeper into digital packages to try to break things up a little bit and, and attract a, a wider, younger audience. But for now, I think the short-term issue is that you know that there's no LeBron in the East, and and because of that, those kind of compelling matchups you saw at, at seven o'clock Eastern or eight o'clock Eastern, whatever it might be aren't quite as compelling for the uh, kind of casual viewer. So, Chris, you think that uh, really uh, that those matchups are the key to it? Because if you had told me five years ago that that LeBron would somehow be more attractive in Cleveland than he is with a glorious kind of uh, uh, legacy program or, or team like the Lakers, I, I would be surprised by that. Well, I, I think LeBron transcends market. I mean, he's almost like an Aaron Rodgers in football or Peyton Manning in Indy, you know, one of these guys that drives ratings for the NFL that, you know, plays in a smaller market. For LeBron, it doesn't really matter where he's playing. And people just want to see him play. And his teams, you know, far more often than not are good to great. So, um, you know, seeing him involved in big-time matchups is is compelling no matter where he is. I just think it all comes down to – to the time zone. Now, it would probably be a little bit better if, say, Kevin Durant was playing for Brooklyn. You know, if you had one of those kind of television magnets, you know, playing on an East Coast team. But for right now, there just isn't any. There's, you know, Miami's sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. And, I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler doesn't drive ratings. And Kendrick Nunn doesn't driving ratings. And, and Bam Adebayo's not driving ratings. So you just, you just don't have those guys that, that draw. Now, basketball, I think, is a little bit deeper in terms of, of how they appeal to an audience with football. I mean, we all know in football, quarterbacks drive television ratings, but you got to have stars to, to draw an audience in the NBA. And, and right now, the Eastern Conference doesn't have enough of those marquee stars. Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, um, yesterday, I believe it was, um, players who signed contracts in the offseason are now eligible to be traded, and I know we're a a long way away from trade deadline, but are we starting to figure out who might be buyers and sellers this year? You know, not yet, because I think there's there's a lot of teams that think they're buyers right now, and they're going to give it another month, maybe into early February, before they really decide, you know, which way they're going to go. I mean, the NBA is open this year. I mean, the Lakers are steamrolling through the West right now, the Bucks in the East, but both those teams are flawed. I mean, 
you know, the Lakers have surprised everybody with how good they've been, uh, not the least of which is me, but, you know, that's a team that you, know, you could see their shooting go south at any point or an injury to LeBron or Anthony Davis who have been banged up already this season, you know, could cause them to, to fall. And same thing with Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee is probably not as good this year as they were last year because of the Malcolm Brogdon uh, defection. So I think teams out there, even the ones sitting in the middle of the pack in that kind of Utah range right now, uh, they, they still believe they've got a shot. Uh, there's no Golden State. There's no super team out there. So I, I think teams are, are still looking at themselves as buyers uh, until we get deeper into the season. So that's a long way of saying I don't think there's been – I don't think there's any certainty with, with who's going to be what at this point. Chris, I don't know if you have any updates on David Stern, but I'm curious on with his brain hemorrhage, but I'm curious to know your thoughts about him and the effect he's had on the league. Yeah, I, I don't have any specific updates. Um, I check in all the time with people in the league, and um, either people don't know or they're being very tight-lipped about it at this point. Um, I mean, his impact in the league is immeasurable. I mean, he's yeah, he he grew the league in ways that 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 no commissioner before him has done. You know, in expanding deeper into into Europe, into China, right off the bat. I mean, he, he is maybe one of the most, maybe the single most influential person in NBA history. Um, I, I don't know that that's overstating it. Certainly the players are incredibly influential when you look at what Michael and Magic and Bird meant to the league in the 80s and 90s. But in terms of the league office, I don't know if anybody else could have had or has had that type of impact. Everything that Adam Silver is doing is kind of piggybacking on what David Stern did. And you know, he certainly made some mistakes along the way, no question about it. Um, but you know, this league grew from you know what was it in the 1970s when they were tape delayed on TV into – you know, one of the most powerful television enterprises out there now. So, and that and that is is one of David Stern's lasting legacies. Chris Mandix from Sports Illustrated with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's no doubt that James Harden uh, has been terrific. His his numbers certainly speak for themselves and and what he's doing. Uh, but do we know if the Russell Westbrook Harden thing is working yet, uh, or has Harden just kind of eclipsed all of that with the way he's played? Yeah, I mean, I think that the latter is probably true. I don't think anyone knows if this Houston mix is going to work. I mean, the the Westbrook-Harden pairing has been up and down, probably more down than up this season, but Harden's been able to kind of shoot his way through it and and still carry this team to, excuse me, a significant number of wins. You know, they're, they're a team to watch in Houston. I mean, they've been trying to, to get better. They're like, you know, one of, you know, probably a dozen teams trying to get their hands right now. On Andre Iguodala, uh, they believe he could help them, but they don't have a lot of assets to, to move outside of the, you know maybe one first round pick in the next couple of years that they can deal. And you know they, they're a team that if things go sideways on them, you know in the month of January, you could see them decide to be sellers. You could see Clint Capella wind up on the move at some point to, to some team before the uh, the trade deadline. They're they're certainly a volatile team, and you know you look at the fact that Mike D'Antoni doesn't have a contract extension in the last year of his contract. Everything going on with Daryl Morey, new ownership, uh, you certainly could see you know the the plug pulled in this whole thing in, in Houston and and then become sellers before the deadline. Chris, are you a believer in the Mavericks, and uh, how do you think they'll get by without Doncic with that ankle? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be hard to survive at any kind of of high level without Luca. I mean, he was the engine that drove them you know everywhere. I mean, he's been so good all season long. For that team with him, I've I, I become a buyer. I've become a believer in, in that team that that they could make a run as a top four seed in the Western Conference. I mean, Porzingis, you have to believe is only going to get better as the season goes on as he keeps recovering 
and keeps getting his legs back from that uh, knee injury that cost him all of last season. They've got some nice pieces kind of around them, you know, guys that can make shots, and that Porzingis Don, uh, Don pick and roll is downright dangerous. But if he's really out for a couple of weeks, uh, yeah, it, it won't be crushing certainly on their uh, their high playoff hopes, but. It certainly is going to push them back towards the middle of the pack. So I think it all depends on when Doncic comes back and how healthy he is when he comes back. Because, you know, when he's healthy and he's right, I mean, they are they're as good a team as any in the top four in the West. Chris, when the Jazz uh, allowed Derek Favors uh, to, to, to leave, uh, do you think that they lost some physicality with him? How important is it for a team like the Jazz uh, to be physical, to be tough. Let me say it that way. Uh, not just in stature, because they're not as big as they were, but in kind of a a nasty attitude. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty important. And, you know, more than the, the physicality lost with favors, the chemistry was lost there, too. I mean, look, he had been mixed around there as a starting five, you know, as a power forward. Um, and I think we all kind of looked at 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 the decision to move off him as probably the right one, given the way the league was trending with more of a small ball uh, lineup. And maybe will turn out to be, I mean, still only a quarter of the way through the season, but you know, they definitely lost something. And, and that, that physical presence alongside Rudy Gobert was, was part of their identity the last few seasons. You know, favors was limited in, in ways offensively, but defensively rebounding toughness. Those are all attributes that they haven't really been able to replace uh, in that lineup. And again, it, it could turn out to be the right thing to do and probably will be because of the way this league has been trending. But, you know, that's certainly something that they've been lacking, you know, in the games that I've watched in the seat team all season long. Chris, thank you very much as always. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think about that uh, whole notion of of toughness, Jake, and the role it plays with the Jazz? Because, I mean, well, we have to look at it for what it is. Without favors there, uh, teams couldn't push them around. I'll say it that way. Uh, and now it seems like at times the Jazz do get shoved around a little bit. They do. It, it's it's happened more than we're used to. Um, I, I go back to Booner on the broadcast the other day, called them a country club team. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, not good. No, that's that's not good. The, the game that stands out really heavily in my mind is that game against Indiana on the road trip, a game they probably should have won, but they got totally pushed around by a tougher team certainly that night. And you you do lose some of that toughness certainly without uh, without Derek Favors. I thought Ricky Rubio was a fairly tough player, um, and they're going to have to figure out where to get some of that from. Uh, I, I think Rudy is candidate number one, and he plays plenty tough, but he's got to I think set the tone. Got a couple other players. I mean, Joe Ingles is a pretty tough player. Royce O'Neal is a pretty tough player, but yeah, they got to bring more of that consistently. I would agree. And to me, it's I, I can see it on the floor when a ball goes up, and the Jazz or 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 when a screen is set or something, you see times where the Jazz are not able to fight through, and some of that is physical. But uh, I I think some of it's attitude, and I wonder if that can be developed. Locke has talked a lot about um, playing hard. That this is, you know, that this isn't necessarily like a lot of the Jazz success in the past has been because they play harder than the other team, yeah. right? The uh-huh. effort level. This team's a little bit more on the finesse side of things, where it's not necessarily about. There's more talent there. It's not all about playing harder than the other guy. But, but maybe there's usefulness in recapturing that. Oh, I I 100% agree. But it's it's not as easily in the DNA of this team as it has been in the past. 
Do you think it can be talked about and improved upon by guys setting their jaw and going out ready to fight? I think it's more complicated than that, but in a sense, yes, I think that's possible. I wonder how Quinn can develop that in his guys. Is he going to get up in their face and tell them they have to be tougher? <laughs> that's probably part of it. Probably showing a bunch of film, you know? Huh. Maybe the film study can solve some of the issues on the court as far as positioning for rebounds and things like that. Uh, but I, but I, 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 I think that maybe it's time for Quinn, and maybe he has done this already, just to 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 get after him and try and toughen him up. You know, I I think that would help them because there have been too many times, Jake, when I've seen say a ball, a shot go up, and the ball essentially bounces on the court, and there's no jazz player anywhere near the ball. Well, wait a minute! Shouldn't somebody be flying in there for that ball? Shouldn't somebody be pushing and shoving and doing everything possible to get to it? Or in a long 82-game regular season in the NBA, is that too much to ask? Well, let's let's ask David about it when he joins us this week because he's made some interesting points on that front. Want to remind you to call Action Plumbing and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for thirty-three bucks. Call eight zero one eight three three thirty-three thirty-three or go to actionplumbing.net. We'll have more for you straight ahead. DJ and PK had an interesting conversation this morning. We'll uh, get into that a little bit coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This is DJ and PK. <laughs> you know you want to do it. I do. We all do. Go ahead. <laughs> See, you feel yeah. better. 3552. <laughs> I'm in my car with my son. He just mimicked you, PK, and we feel better. By the way, the son is three years old. My two-year-old daughter won't stop saying. <laughs> this has gone on way more than I ever anticipated, I have to admit. And a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Who says we don't appeal to the younger demographic? <laughs> That's the line of the day. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Listen this Wednesday on a Win Ticket Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to the Jazz Trailblazers matchup December 26th. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, ice cream, and soda. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 for free Ford swag, jazz tickets, movie passes, and much, much more. Gordon, uh, last week we talked about the amendment to Morgan Scally's contract. We did. Mark Harlan came on the station with DJ and PK on Friday, uh, and they asked him about it, and he gave an emphatic endorsement for Morgan Scally, saying he would be an outstanding candidate if and when that time would come. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say if or when. I mean, it's going to retire at some point. Can't <laughs> live forever. It'll be sooner rather than later. Um, and then Morgan Scally at practice over the weekend was asked by our very own Patrick Kinahan about it, and here's how that sounded. Merrill wants to drive. Merrill. Can you speak to the contract amendment and what it means to you? 
Well, just Kyle's continued faith in me, his trust in me, uh, along with Mark Harlan. Um, I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I love my family. I love this place. I love this university. And, uh, you know, their their faith in me, their trust in me. And as well as, I, you know, I love the players. I see something special in this program, where we can head. And uh, there's really no reason for me to leave right now. Has there been any discussion as far as taking over when Kyle retires? Uh, I'm not going to discuss that. I'm not going to discuss that. <laughs> not going to discuss it, Gordon. Well, the fact that he's not going to discuss it, discuss that tells you that he has discussed it behind closed doors. I get that feeling, don't you? Yes. Yeah, some sort of a provision was made. Well, listen, Morgan, and we know this because Kyle Whittingham talked about it, Morgan got a lot of attention in the, the old coaches carousel world these past this past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he admitted it. Head much. coaching opportunities, defensive coordinating opportunities, both, according to Kyle Whittingham. And Morgan probably did what everybody else would do, and that's march into Mark Harlan's office and say, <laughs> hey, you know, I've got some opportunities coming up here. And What should I do? And Harlan did what uh, you hope most companies would do with valued employees and say, all right, well, let's figure out a, an avenue for you to stay here and continue to contribute. And that there was probably some conversations about the future, I'm sure. And there was probably a non-disclosure on it as well. Oh, I'm guessing we're going to find out. I mean, you can, don't you FOIA that contract? That's got to come out at some point, right? Well, yeah, but uh, how? What? What? What was the conversation like oh, at I the time? And uh, I mean, promises, whatever they're worth anymore. It, it's just such a natural thing. It seems like such a good idea. I, I can't think of a downside to it. Some people say, "Well, Morgan hasn't been a head coach before," and I guess that would be the one downside. But he certainly is well positioned and well seasoned to take over that role when Kyle decides it's time for him to ride on off. And kind of as we look back on it, hasn't Kyle been grooming this for a long time? For a long time. And in fact, I, I, I kind of put these pieces to put these pieces together the other day, Gordon. He, or, or, uh, Kyle recently admitted that he was really disappointed when he didn't get the job after Ron McBride was fired, and but but said that he benefited so much from those two years yeah. uh, under Urban Meyer, really shaped the way he became a head coach. And then I was thinking, in Morgan's journey, remember when Witt passed Morgan over yes. for the defensive coordinating duties? And he later said the same exact thing. And he brought in John Peace. And, and you you can tell that Witt thought that Morgan had a lot to learn, or had could learn from John Pease. Mm-hmm. I don't want me to say had a lot to learn that implies he was behind in some way, shape, or form. But that that's such a grooming move. And I bet Kyle realized, okay, I thought I was ready for this head coaching gig. I put it on hold for two years, and I really benefited. Morgan could probably take over the defensive coordinating job, but I can bring in John Pease, and Morgan can benefit from that experience and then not only be ready for the defensive coordinating job, but set himself up for the future. I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of see this this grooming process, I think, has been around for a while. And I don't know, obviously Morgan got a lot of play out of that great defense this year. Everybody noticed that. And he was a finalist for the Broyles Award, and so that's going to bring around uh, attention from other programs that are interested in, in bringing him along. Look, Morgan is smart. He's charismatic. He's fun. He cares deeply about the players. He's got every attribute that you would want, other than he's never done the head coaching thing before. Uh, and neither had Kyle. 
right? No, he had not. I, I think one thing Morgan really has going for him is he's a, a tremendous recruiter. We've been following yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. f- throughout his entire career. And I think, you know, success at Utah is going to continue to be what kind of players can you get on campus and how do you develop them. And Morgan has seen, has come up through the system and has seen that through his own playing career uh, on into his coaching career where they get guys in and they get their typical Utah guys. They know what they're looking for. They go get it. And they've had a tremendous amount of success doing that. And if you keep the, the current you know, formula in place. I think that's. I think that's really good. I think Utah has really benefited from continuity in its football program, and uh, to see that continue. I mean, I, I feel like that's just the smart thing to do. How do you feel about defensive coordinators becoming head coaches? Do you think that in most cases they have because they've had to learn to stop offenses that they learn enough about offenses to uh, to be able to oversee that that part of it in a productive way or do you think do you I guess the question is this everything else being equal would you prefer an offensive coordinator over a defensive coordinator I think that there are advantages on on both sides you know defensive head coaches sometimes get a little too conservative but I'll say this you can certainly find success stories on on both ends of the spectrum but Nick Saban where did yeah. he come from defensive background Bill Belichick, defensive background. Those are the two best to be doing it right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I you know, Andy Reid, offensive guy, unbelievable offensive mind. Been to the Super Bowl, never gotten over the hump. We You're saw, not really holding that against him, are you? I, I'm not, but, I mean, we're talking about the greatest coaches, and I guess yeah. that's where I'm going. I mean, uh, what's his name? The Your Rams. Head coach, McVeigh. You know he he offensive genius or whatever goes head to head with the defensive genius in the Super Bowl, and the defensive genius wins out. <laughs> Pete Carroll, defensive guy. Yeah. So I mean, th- there are examples uh, I think on both sides. I think I think oftentimes when making head coaching hires, they uh, schools get caught up in the sexy offensive yeah. guy, uh-huh. and maybe that's not necessarily the best fit. Like I'm fascinated to see how it goes with Cliff Kingsbury in uh, in Arizona because I thought that was a dreadful hire, just dreadful, and it's been okay so far I guess. But I think that's getting caught up in the ooh we got the got to have the new offensive you know shiny toy or wherever when you know what Bill Belichick has been doing with that defense, and then of course you have Tom Brady, but you know that's worked out pretty well. Do you think there's a school of thought out there with the Utes that the program is is, is of such a stature now that that some people would like to see them when Kyle decides to decide enough to to bring in some you know uh, more of a glorified name to take over, or do you think they uh, they like the idea of Morgan's familiarity with the tradition of the program, his familiarity with the players, his familiarity with the recruiting style, all that? I, I think they would benefit from continuing what they're doing. I agree with that 100%. I think he's the right man for the job. And don't get distracted. Yeah. I, I thought, in fact, I think it, maybe it was DJ who made this point, or maybe it was PK this morning, but I, I thought I, it was a terrific one. After Majerus left Utah, they went to the other end of the spectrum. They they hired a nice guy who was going to play fast, and it didn't really work because they went away from the formula. Well, it helped that he had Andrew Bogut there for a year. 
that did help. And he had the one year, and then it, it went south from there. Mm-hmm. And he tried to recruit international players, and that didn't really go all that well. And then Jim Boylan, he didn't use the Majerus formula either. He was reco- uh, recruiting Midwest kids. And, I mean, it, I don't know what they were doing during the Boylan years. But, I mean, Majera, they went, they certainly went away from the Majerus formula. Now, they went away from the Ron McBride formula when they hired Urban Meyer. Uh, but he wasn't around long enough, I think, to I, – I wonder how well that would have worked in the long term at Utah. I don't yeah, know. that's a great question. Well, he Urban just wins, man. He wins everywhere. But he, he only goes. really had like a recruiting class. Yeah. He kind of had two. So we don't know if well, his I would, recruiting I would, formula I, would have sustained uh, – I'm not sure. I know that question was asked and people were curious about it. But I, I just think he is – he knows how to win and – he made a deal with the devil. So he's going to go on winning. If he had stayed at Utah, Utah would have just rolled on, in my opinion. No, yeah. way, no way of proving it. But then and, they, I, and I think Utah would roll on with Morgan Scally taking over for Kyle. I, I, I wish, I wish Morgan would open up a little more than he does. He, he's pretty careful with what he says. And somewhere along the line, somebody has taught him to be that way. But uh, he's, he's got a lot to offer both from a strategic standpoint and I think on both sides of the ball. I think he knows enough about offense. He he was a running – remember, he was a running back mm-hmm. in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, your high school experience, I understand that's not comprehensive. But but he, he he's, he's such a smart guy. I never forget something that Bill uh, Bush uh, told me uh, when, uh, when he was – uh, coaching uh, Morgan when he was a player, he said, "You put something on the board once with Morgan, he gets it, yeah. and that he you don't have to review it again." And so I think he he's really capable in probably pulling off just about anything he sets his mind to, and he's a freaking hard worker. I mean, no one's going to outwork Morgan Scally, I don't think. The Utes would be crazy not to uh, not to hire him when when Kyle's done. That's the way I feel about it. Well, and and we know him from uh, when he worked with us briefly, and he he was great to work with. But anyway, we know his personality, and I think it'd be a natural fit for a head coach. So I'm 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 more than on board with it uh, with that concept. I am as well, and we'll see how long he has to wait. All right, coming up next. The Not Sports Report. Woo-hoo. We'll let you hear from Quinn ah! Snyder at practice at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. David Locke joins us. Last couple of games, the Jazz have they've been able to win. What's your biggest takeaway from the last couple nights? You're seeing Quinn put a stamp on the team, and you're seeing them evolve in some growth factors. You know, catch and shoots are up from 18 a game in October to 22 in December. You're seeing the eyes are out. You're seeing the ball move more. You're seeing more 300-plus pass games. You're seeing this team begin to understand. You go back to the opening night of the season, but they threw 260 passes on the very first night of the year. So that's been what the evolution has to be of this group. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
time to get a winner, Gordon. It's Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Only on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. It's a beautiful song. Uh, it is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Where are we going today, Gordo? We're going a couple different places. Uh, and, uh, Jake, let me, let me start by making a certain something clear. Oh, boy. Life is not all about the money. Okay. Would you agree with that, Austin? Well, it's kind of easy for you to say, but... Yeah. Oh, no, life is not all about the money, but it helps. It, it, you could buy ice cream. And that's almost the same thing. <laughs> the, uh, the not sports report today is about money. Okay. Not life, just the not sports report. Okay. Two cases, all right, that need to be covered. The first one is... A gentleman in North Carolina who worked at a bank there uh, stole $88,000 worth of uh, cold hard cash from the bank. And did he quietly pocket it and just sort of mosey off into the sunset? No, he did not, Jake. He showed it. He bragged about it on social media and showed a picture of him holding the money. And uh, he just got busted for it. Well, that doesn't sound real smart. No, I, I think— and, and he worked there? He worked at the bank, yeah. And then, and then, like, what, sent out a picture of him holding the yes. cash or something? And, a whole wad of cash. Yeah. I, and they busted him for it. So this is a really dumb person. That, that is not a bright move. No. You know, but some people just can't—they can't—you know, they're not about, they're not about that life. They're not about the poor life. They're not about the broke life, man. They got to show everybody what they got. And that's what he did. And he got busted for it. And then feel sorry for Tamara Ecclestone. Jake, you know who Tamara is? No, I don't. She is the daughter of Ecclestone. Is it Bernie, I think? Ecclestone, who happens to be the chief executive of uh, Formula One Group, which owns Formula One Racing. Mm -hmm. And he is worth uh, $3.2 billion. Mm -hmm. Well, Tamara apparently uh, had access to some of that money. And she happened to have some jewelry stolen Mm -hmm. recently, Mm -hmm. amounting to $66 million worth of jewelry. $66 million? Yeah. Wow, she deserved it. <laughs> she deserved to have it stolen? Yeah. What are you, Robin Hood over there? What is, what is she doing with $66 million worth of anything in any sort of place where it possibly could be stolen? What's the I, matter with you? I, I think a, a part of what she had, were, were these were wedding gifts given to her. <laughs> Don't just leave them lying around. What's she doing? How much... Uh, how much uh, uh, how much dough worth of uh, goods do you think I could I could steal from the the Monsanto? Oh, estate? we don't have anything like that. No, no, a couple million laying no, around. If all. I really cleaned no, it out, no, not at all. Bernie 
uh, Tamara's dad thinks it was an inside job. Hmm. But uh, anyway, if you have a bunch of jewelry that's worth a bunch of money, you take good care of it. Yeah, put it huh? in a bank or something. Yeah, yeah. Be careful because you never know who's going to steal. Because there's a bunch of cheaters out there, as we found out earlier in the show. And then finally, this tidbit, Jake. Do you know in Paris they have a transit worker strike going on? Mm-hmm. And there was on Tuesday night a 391 mile long traffic jam. Jeez. So tonight, if you're going home from work and you get caught up in a little traffic, you know, think about that. 391 miles of traffic jam. Oh man, I I don't I don't that's that would push you to the limit, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's rough. But I mean, you should. At least... And I lived in Los Angeles for uh, for ten years, so I mean, aren't aren't you kind of kind of a moron though if you get stuck in that too? I mean, just a quick Google Maps, you know. Well, Probably. apparently there are blockages all over the place hmm. because of uh, the strike. But maybe don't on. take that road. Well, I think all the roads were jammed up. I, I, it beats me. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to let you hear from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, what he had to say at practice today. We'll talk some jazz basketball in the 5 o'clock hour. Also, and this is some news just breaking, just coming out, uh, the Mountain West Conference has negotiated itself a new television deal. And we'll give you the details on that coming up in the five o'clock hour as well. Twenty-five large a year. What twenty-five grand? No, it's a little north of that there, uh, Gordo. A little bit north. All right, stay tuned. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Craig Jack, are you still okay with him being on the bench when Mike Conley comes back? Or would you like to see Joe maybe be out on the court for some of these starts? Quinn makes a lot of money to make these decisions. But I think what we've seen is the lack of energy that Joe just has a knack for. Analytics have a purpose, and I get it, and I use them. But I think the inside, the heart, the way that you play the game still gets lost. You can't judge that by analytics. And I think Joe is a great example of that. He wants it. Uh, he was told he couldn't, and so he proves every day that he can. You know, you know a couple of guys, right, who just beat the odds, and guys like to follow, and that's Joe Ingles. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.